following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this rainy Monday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7 for the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. I hope you all are staying safe with the weather that's been coming through. Uh, It's that time of year here in the state of Alabama uh, where the weather comes through rain and uh, some tornadoes and all that type of stuff and so uh, hopefully you and everyone you know has been staying safe over the past couple of weeks and hope you all had a fantastic weekend lots to talk about on today's show here on this Monday April 3rd 2023 happy April uh, it's exciting that we are already in the month of April with uh, spring uh, spring practice for Auburn football continuing on. Uh, you have A-Day coming up this weekend. College basketball comes to an end tonight in Houston. We'll talk about the Final Four, uh, the men's and the women's. Uh, big storylines out of both. So we'll talk about all of that. Uh, but crazy that we are already in the month of April. And uh, Carter, hope you're doing well. Happy Monday, brother. Doing all right, man. Hey, it's good to be here um, and out of the rain. Yes. Literally, as I pulled in, just pouring rain, just walked in the station, just soaked from from the bottom falling out. Literally, as I was pulling in the parking lot, it was great. Yeah, two weeks in a row that I've had to come into work and run from the truck into in, inside because it's just an absolute downpour. Uh, but again, that's, that's April. That's the end of March and early April here in the state of Alabama. Uh, but as I said, April 3rd, 2023, and before we get into everything, uh, as of Saturday, the date of April 1st, uh, that is a very special day for me. Uh, it's a very special date for this show uh, in my very young career uh, in in sports radio with a year ago on April 1st is when uh, the previous host, Noah Gardner, left and took a different position. And as of April 1st of last year, that's when I took over as host of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. So uh, Saturday was the technical one year uh, that I've been hosting this wonderful show. And uh, it's been it's been an absolute journey. It's been a blast. It is so much fun uh, to sit here every single day, Monday through Friday. Friday and talk all things Auburn athletics, the news going on around uh, the world in sports, and uh, just having the the opportunity to sit here 
and and do this Monday through Friday for two hours every single day is something that I do not take for granted. I love it. I love what I do. It's a lot of fun. And so it's crazy that it's already been a year uh, that I've been hosting this show. I did it solo for a while uh, from April of last year throughout the summer and then had the uh, wonderful opportunity to bring Carter along with me in August. And uh, it's crazy that we're, what, six or seven months into this already that you've been with me, Carter. And so uh, it's been just, I guess it's six months, yeah. Yeah, because you came on uh, in August, and, and here we are in April. And so uh, it's crazy that it's been that long it's already. Been seven. Yeah, yeah, it's been seven yeah longer than that. And uh, again, it's just time flies when you're having fun and when you enjoy what you do uh it's not called work and so i'm very thankful for uh for auburn network for having me here and giving me this opportunity coming out of school and uh now that i've been hosting this show for a year i believe that we have hit new heights i believe we are doing things uh, at an all-time high and uh, can always go up from here, but uh, we have fun every single day. And so I thank everybody at Auburn Network. I thank Carter, my co-host, who is here with me every single day. And, of course, you, the listener, because without you, uh, none of this is possible. And so uh, thank you to uh, everybody who listens every single day or once a week or once a month, whatever it may be. I really do appreciate all of you. And so I wanted to say that as uh, it's crazy that it's been a year already, but here we are, and I love what we do and what I do. And so uh, thank you again. To, uh, to everybody that tunes in. And so let's have a great show today. Uh, it's going to be busy. Mondays are always busy here on On The Line. We're going to talk to Final Four, men's and women's, because lots have happened over the last couple of days. There's a lot of news, a lot of noise coming out of both Final Fours. We'll talk about all of that coming up in just a few minutes. And phone lines are up and working again. This time last week, our phones were down because of the storms that came through last weekend. Uh, so Joey Blackwell of Bama Central will join us here on the show we'll talk about the end of the Alabama basketball season because we have not had a chance to talk to him since all of that happened uh Brandon Miller committing or I should say declaring for the NBA draft. We'll talk to him about that. Uh, Alabama spring practice as that is underway and their spring game approaching as well in Alabama baseball. So we'll talk to Joey Blackwell coming up at 2.30. And then in hour number two, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us at 3.30 to talk all things Auburn athletics, football, uh, baseball, some gymnastics news as well, softball. Uh, so lots to discuss with Jacob Hillman at 3.30. But Carter, let's start with the final four and and phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you, our wonderful listeners. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. You can also tweet at us at ESPN1067. We'll start with the men's final four that mm-hmm. took place on Saturday. You had two games that we were expecting to be Really, really good. Uh, three teams making their first ever final four appearance. UConn going for what is history in our books and if you were with us on Friday we discovered that UConn may be the most dominant men's basketball program in the last 25 years and they've got a chance to uh, build on that of course they are in the national championship game tonight we'll talk about that coming up later as well but let's start with FAU and San Diego State a game that came down to the final shot the game that everybody said wasn't going to be any good because it wasn't the big names it wasn't the big schools it wasn't anybody anybody cared about this one ended up being the better game yeah I mean it did it really was um, a great basketball game it was a game of runs especially early and they even flashed the graphic about it uh, at one point in time because you had um, 
San Diego State come out just well, – I think you had FAU open the game on a 5-0 run. Then you had San Diego State just go guns blazing the rest of the for – the, for about six minutes or so, built a huge lead, and FSU came storming right back. And I want to say 11-05 left in the first um, – I want to say the first half was the last point – that San Diego State held a lead until the buzzer beater. So it's it had been 30 minutes since the last time, 30 minutes of game time since the last time San Diego State had held the lead in the game. And just what a game, FAU. You're going to look back and you're going to think about going cold in the second half but the offensive rebounds that you allowed, and that is going to be why you are sitting at home tonight watching this San Diego State team play UConn for a national championship. Yeah, it was it was bad to watch that second half on the FAU perspective when it comes to the offensive rebounds that San Diego State was able to grab. It was unbelievable. I mean, it felt like every single time a shot went up for San Diego State in that second half, you knew they were going to come down with an offensive rebound. And they were having second and third chances on just about every possession. And that's what got them back into the basketball game. And when you look at the numbers, when you just compare the rebounding numbers, it's nothing crazy. San Diego State won the rebounding number in the rebounding battle by one. It was 35-34. to And even when you look at the offensive rebounding numbers, it was 12 for San Diego State and 8 for FAU. But it's the stuff in the second half. It was those rebounds in the second Mm -hmm. half that allowed San Diego State to come back in this game. Both teams shot 44%. Both teams shot decent for or pretty good actually from the three-point line FAU shot 40 percent San Diego State shot 50 percent and this game was pretty even it was just those second and third chance opportunities for San Diego State where they kept themselves in the game they were in it down the stretch FAU had the ball with about 20 seconds they have it in their own half court they go down they miss a layup there's some contest there San Diego State brings it down, takes it to the right corner, dribbles back out, pulls up from about 15 feet, and buries it at the buzzer. San Diego State moves on to the national championship game. Yeah, I tell you what, it's just absolutely crazy. When you look at this game, yeah, I mean, the rebounding numbers aren't crazy. Nine offensive rebounds in the second half, though, for San Diego State, which is not that much more than FAU. FAU got seven. You want to know something that I saw that was really interesting? I saw a tweet, a clip on Twitter about it from clips from the tournament. San Diego State, when they are shooting free throws, which that's another storyline about this game, is neither team was spectacular from the line. I guess FAU is better. I mean, San Diego State won in spite of going 13 of 22 at the free throw line. Um, But when you look at when San Diego State was shooting free throws, they were able to get those offensive rebounds. We don't know why. Something I don't think I've really seen all that often. Their rebounders in the lane cross to try to create traffic, create mm-hmm. space. Because of that action creates this room where they can go get offensive rebounds. And it works. And it worked a bunch in a row against this FAU team that, despite being small, 
was one of the best defensive rebounding teams in the country. Like they are, I think I have the exact stat here in a second. They are 328th in height, um, but they were a top 50 team in in defense rebounding. So they overcame that. But now the San Diego State team, they just find ways to get it done. And I think one of the interesting things was their coach at the end of the game, uh, Brian Dutcher, he had a timeout. He didn't use it because he said he didn't have any more plays to give his team. He didn't have anything else. So everything you saw in the final play was just creating on your own. It was Lamont Butler just being a dude and making a play. And what's interesting about that play from Lamont Butler, that 18-foot jumper to win and advance to the national championship game, Sports Illustrated had an article that came out yesterday. It was from Pat Forty. And here's what he said. Not only did that shot take San Diego State, make history for the Aztecs, and send them to the national championship game, this was a historical shot in the Final Four. Because when you think of March Madness, what do you think of? Buzzer beaters. Buzzer beaters, right? That's exactly what this shot was on Saturday in the Final Four was a buzzer beater. This was the first true buzzer beater in the Final Four. And here's what that means. This was a shot that passed through the net during or after the final horn, and it carried with it a win or loss stakes because San Diego State was down by one. It was 71-70. to This shot was in the air and went in after the buzzer, and San Diego State won off of that. They weren't tied. It, this was a win or lose shot, and that's the first time that that's ever happened in the men's Final Four. Isn't that crazy? With yeah. all of the buzzer beaters, all of the legendary moments we've seen in the Final Four over the years, this was the first time it was a win or lose true buzzer beater in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. And it belongs to Lamont Butler in San Diego State. It's crazy. And, uh, I mean, it's – well, I, I think that, I mean, Ty – final shots to win a game or to tie a game. I still consider those buzzer beaters in my heart of hearts, but uh, I guess technically, if that's the definition we're going with, that's true. That's true. I mean, all the ones you can think of were tie game shots that went in, or they happened earlier in the tournament than you realize. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the Leitner shot happened in the Elite Eight to send uh, Duke to the Final Four. Those, but how special is that? How weird is that, that we're this far into the tournament and that was the first one. Um, I mean, it's amazing that that the weight that that carries, the two teams first time in the Final Four, two mid-major programs trying to elevate themselves. Uh, and I guess, I guess when you're at this point in time, like now San Diego State's one win away from, from, from having something Gonzaga doesn't have. How about that? How about that? Wouldn't that be something? And San Diego State's also one win away from really getting some, I don't know if revenge is the right word that I'm looking for, but if you remember and if you look back on that 2020 season when COVID happened, and I know it took a lot from everybody and and I get all of that, but that was the best San Diego State team that they've ever had in program history. They were going to be a two-seed in that NCAA tournament, and they were going to make some noise. They were going to make a a run. Yeah, potentially a one-seed. No doubt about a two-seed. They were going to be really, really tough to beat in that NCAA tournament and obviously had that taken away from them. They have a chance tonight against UConn 
to make up for all of that. And they've been doubted this entire time, but yet here they are. They beat FAU 72-71 to on the Lamont Butler buzzer beater. And the Aztecs are playing for a national championship. When we come back, we'll talk about UConn and Miami, how this game didn't turn well it turned out like we thought it would but it wasn't as competitive as we would have liked it to be we'd love to hear your thoughts on the final four and the national championship game tonight give us a call 334-321-1390 we'll talk the final four and national championship when we come back you are on the line on espn 1067 online at espnau.com or on the espn 1067 app Back inside the studio at ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader, about to get to the phone lines. Got a couple people calling in. I will get to them in just a second. But talking about the Final Four, the men's Final Four, uh, national championship game being played tonight. Of course, San Diego State with the uh, buzzer beater to beat FAU to get to the national championship game. The other game was UConn and Miami, the two bigger programs, the two bigger names. Uh, UConn going for the their fifth national championship win in 25 years. Miami was playing in their first Final Four uh, under Jim Laranega, and uh, this was a game where we expected it to be good. Most people picked UConn, but the Huskies just dominated in this game, and and they have continued to to dominate all tournament long, and they just they just look so so good. And we'll talk some more about that UConn and Miami game sort of as the show goes on and we'll preview the national championship game between San Diego State and uh, UConn but I uh, just got to give credit to the Huskies man they are playing really really good 72 to 59 the final score UConn over Miami and it was pretty much a it was in control for UConn the entire way. And so we'll talk some more about that coming up in a few minutes. But let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. And Terry, you're on the line. Welcome in. Good afternoon, guys. How y'all doing? Doing all, all right, right, Terry. Terry. How are you? Good. On the game, that I hope Alabama can sure bring it home. I'm actually <laughs> a championship mistake. <laughs> you know, um, guys, I, I, must, I must be living right. Um, Brian Harson's gone. Hugh Freeze is here. Now Gwendolyn Green's gone. Yeah, I figured you'd bring that up. Yeah. Um, so I must be living right. I mean, look, guys, all joking aside, Auburn will be a better basketball team without him. Okay? Yeah, I, I know people are going to say he gave us a better chance. He scored a bunch of points and all that. But he also heaved a bunch of 27, 28 footers that weren't necessary that cost us a game or two. He also was a guy that was a tremendous ball hog. And you say the players, you know, were just standing around not letting him throw it to him. He wasn't going to throw it to him. He wasn't going to share the ball. Most players knew that. I agree. That's not said nearly enough. Only said by me, but it's not necessarily enough. It's a point that they're not. He was not going to pass that ball. He's never going to pass that ball. Mm-hmm. And then a point guard, and and I know Bill Cameron's going to say he was second, you know, second team All SEC or whatever. That's fine and good. But I bet you, I bet you, uh, six or seven point guards. That was my question. Where does he go in the draft? Because he he look guys, they're not going to fudge your height in the in the NBA. He's listed Auburn. I think Auburn listed at five eleven. He's probably about five nine and a half. Yeah, I mean, you can fudge the height all you want, but I mean, facts are facts. When he steps up to the when he steps up to the measuring tape, he's going to be what he is. And and we've seen where the NBA is nowadays. And a guy with his size just doesn't have success in the NBA, and Wendell, they won't even take a chance on him. Wendell's not getting drafted. He's no. going to end up somewhere else. 
I mean, he, he, he'll he go play. I mean, he could maybe get an opportunity in the G League, maybe. But I think he'll probably be playing internationally. And making more money than we'll ever see. Also, guys, I mean, you know, everybody's assuming that Brandon Miller is going to be a great pro. But if, if teams in the NBA play him like, like Oklahoma did or San Diego State, they get in his face and beat him up a little bit, push him around a little bit, he, he can adapt to that style. He's not that kind of player. Yeah, he, he, he has physical, physical players. Yeah, he, he's got some growing up to do. I think he's got some uh, um, some basketball growing up is what I mean by that is where he's just got to get a little bit more physical, put some more muscle on and, and become just he's got to become tougher mentally. I think And you're absolutely right. right. They're, they're going to pressure him because he's walking into a league with grown men and he's not a grown man yet. And so and uh, they he, know his weakness. Yeah, I mean, they know if you get up on him and force him to take bad shots, he's gonna he he will shoot the basketball. Like, there's no doubt about it. So, yeah, they, and they know that. I promise. Yeah. Well, guys, let's just hope that Alabama can, can bring it home tonight. Take care, guys. Appreciate and, and you. By the way, Joy, you got Joey Blackwell coming. Ask him how the tissue cells are going where he lives. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> appreciate the call, Terry. Appreciate it, Terry. We appreciate Terry calling in three three four three two one thirteen ninety. I will say, talking about Brandon Miller in the NBA. He's going to get have time to develop. He has a frame where he can add some size, maybe adjust to the game. I mean, he's still he's still young. Uh, I mean, he is an old freshman, but he's still young. He's not he's not JT Thor. He's not seventeen playing college basketball. He's twenty playing college basketball. But again, that's still young. He'll have time to add to his frame, become more physical, and adapt to the NBA. Um, yeah, but Wendell, I think that's a different conversation. Yeah. Wendell, when you have a small guard like this, we've seen it with Jared Harper. We've seen it with some of the other guards um, Auburn's had. When you're not tall enough, you kind of max out your pro potential. Like, Wendell's stock's not going to get higher than it is right now. Aiden Holloway's coming in the door. Trey Donaldson's coming back. It's going to be more crowded in that back backcourt. It's going to be harder for him to replicate the second-team All-SEC that he had this year. This is the right move for Wendell Green because his stock's not going to be higher It's in a year. It's just not. He's not going to grow. I don't think his athleticism is going to change. I don't think he's going to become freaky athletic over the, over the course of this next offseason. I don't see that happening. This is the right move for Auburn basketball because this frees you up. Because, look, Wendell Green was a good player for Auburn. He was all SEC. There's a lot of good things about Wendell Green and his time at Auburn. But Auburn can upgrade over Wendell Green, and I firmly believe that. With the place that this program is at, it's you can improve your roster and and staying pat like you can you can have success doing that sure but you can also go get pieces that i think are a net gain a net positive over Wendell Green talking about Wendell Green who uh, yesterday afternoon made the post on his uh, Twitter account saying that he is uh, thankful for his time at Auburn uh, and all that stuff and uh, uh, declaring for the NBA draft, declaring to go pro, uh, that he will not be returning to Auburn. And so, Terry, we appreciate you calling in and uh, bringing that up. We hadn't quite uh, gotten around to that yet, but uh, perfect time to, to to mention that here in these next few minutes before we have Joey Blackwell of Bama Central who would join us at 2.30. But look, with Wendell Green, 
he did some really good things for Auburn. Uh, he was uh, part of two solid teams. Uh, he is a good basketball player. He is. But can Auburn do better? Yes, they absolutely can. I, I agree with you, Carter. I think most Auburn fans would agree with that. I think you can upgrade. I like that word. I think you can upgrade from Wendell Green. I would like Auburn to have an actual point guard because Wendell Green is not a point guard. He's not. He's not a true point guard, in my opinion. He shoots too much, and he doesn't pass enough. A point guard should not be your leading scorer. That's not how basketball is meant to be played. Your point guard is somebody who handles the basketball, which Wendell Green could do, but we saw where at times, if you throw a double team at him, he's unable to get out of it nine times, eight times out of ten because of his size, which that's going to stick with him for his entire basketball career. Mm -hmm. A point guard handles the ball, he takes good quality shots, and he makes plays for his teammates. Did Wendell Green do any of those? More likely, no. uh, Not consistently. And that's the problem. That was my issue all year long with Wendell Green, was he shoots the ball too much, he would shoot it 12 or 13 times and make three or four of them. Yes, he had good game shooting, I get that, but more times than not, he wasn't a great shooter. And he wasn't a pass-first point guard, which I prefer, that's just me, and his size limits him because he would rather take, like Terry said, the 28, 29, 30-foot three-point shot than put the ball on the floor and try to get to the rack because of his size. And I think when you bring in a guy like Aiden Holloway or you bring in guys that Auburn hopefully brings in in the future, you will see better athletic point guards playing that one position for Auburn. Yeah, I think um, if you're going to be Wendell Green, that size you got to be Marquise Noel. Yeah. You got to be able to be an elite passer, elite vision. You got to have that swagger, that confidence about you. You got to be an elite scorer at the same time. And what separates Marquise Noel for me from Wendell Green, yes, Wendell Green's defense got better this year. He got some more steals, especially once conference play started. But still, he wasn't a great on-ball defender. Marquise Noel figured out a way to be really good at stripping the ball and getting a bunch of steals, and it made him a better defender and a better player. Which is what you have to do at that size because guys are going to go right around you if you don't. We'll talk more about Wendell Green declaring to go pro coming up in a little bit, but Joey Blackwell of Bama Central joins us on the other side. ESPN 1067, Halfway through our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Well, had to take last week off due to some uh, phone issues with the weather that rolled through the state, but happy to welcome Joey Blackwell back to the program of Bama Central. Joey, hope all was well with you in uh, Tuscaloosa and, and hopefully everybody that you know uh, is safe over there as well. Absolutely. Uh, got some got some hard rain, not too much over here in uh, Birmingham. So glad that we are 
all safe up here and glad you guys got your phones back up and running <laughs> yeah yeah they are they are back in and working just fine and so uh, we'll start with basketball because Joey we did not get the chance to talk to you about uh, the end of Alabama's basketball season last week uh, with with everything going on and so season obviously comes to uh, an end to a San Diego State team that is now in the national championship game and so uh what was the what was the energy like around the program and around the fan base for Alabama uh when the season came up for what most fans would probably say was was short for Alabama yeah you know it it was short I think a lot of people had much higher expectations for this team especially you know being the number one overall seed um but there was there was mixed energy obviously I think everybody was disappointed you know you're you're not going to find anybody that's going to say that they weren't disappointed with how it ended but I think the the difference was between from person to person was if they considered the entirety of the season a, a failure or a success. A lot of people seem to think that it was a success just because, I mean, this is you know, there are a lot of programs out there that would love to go to two sweet 16s in three years, and Alabama was able to do that. They were able to sweep the SEC titles again, you know, like they did the year before last. So uh, in terms of that, you know, and it wasn't a – necessarily a failure per se i would consider it a success and think a lot of others did as well um, but then you had the people on the other side that you know once again it was expectations that this team just ultimately fell short in and kudos to san diego state they're a very good team obviously they're in the national championship game um they were kind of a team that was built to beat alabama and that one of the things that alabama struggled against all years um were teams that had a lot of veterans, um, and San Diego State, I believe, has seven seniors on their roster and um, was very well equipped to, to take down Alabama, and they did a great job at it. Is there any, like, I guess, solace that the Alabama fan base can take from, well, San Diego State has now made it through the Final Four and is playing for a national championship game tonight? Yeah, I think there is because if you if you really think about it, both the teams that are in that, that are in um, national championship game are two of the six teams that beat Alabama this year. Um, San Diego State obviously beat them in the tournament, and UConn beat them in the Phil Knight Invitational all the way back uh, last year. Um, you know, and I think it was, was that November or December. I think it was late November uh, when that tournament was, took place. So um, yeah, if, it, if it's two of the six teams that beat Alabama are the two that are in the national championship game. I think that says a lot about where the program has, has grown. And um, I think, yeah, there's definitely been a lot of Twitter chatter and a lot of fans there. They're taking solace in that right now. Joey, this season for Alabama has been very up and down when it comes to on-the-court performance versus the noise off of the floor. How did Nate Oates and the players and the program get through the 2022 and 2023 season given everything that happened where there was a good month or two where Alabama basketball was the talk of the entire country? Yeah, you know, I think... I think it comes down to, I mean, it's hard for me to say just because, I mean, obviously this is just my perspective, not necessarily what actually happened, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of it came down to, to shutting out, you know, shutting out the outside noise. Um, this team was really good at that. We saw that even early on in the season. Um, this team was um, really hard to get distracted. Um, they were just, and which is remarkable considering how young of a team they were. Um, they were able to avoid distraction and to focus um no more so than, you know, Brandon Miller and obviously all the stuff that circulated around him and continued to follow the team even through their final game. Um, and I think, uh, you know, when you, when you, when you, when you put aside um, Brandon Miller and NATO and a lot of people uh, and the, and the people that 
um, a lot of people point fingers at and look at the innocent people, um, like, you know, the, the Noah Clownies and the Noah Gurleys and, the, and, you know, all those guys, and think about what they also had to go through seeing um, what this, you know, seeing all the, all the criticism. It really is remarkable what they were able to do. Um, and it, I think it finally caught up with them, but I think ultimately it wasn't the outside noise that caught up to them. I think it was just a very good San Diego State basketball team. And, um, we're, and now I'm sure we'll talk about this in a second, but you know, now we have a lot of people, players that are having to make some decisions on if they're going to stay here, if they're going to go. And Brandon Miller is obviously headed off to the NBA. Noah Clowney's heading off to the NBA as well. A couple other players are testing the draft waters and, this could look like a very different basketball team next year, and um, hopefully they'll be able to, you know, kind of get out of the spotlight of that and move on and just focus on basketball. Speaking of, I guess Alabama players leaving for the NBA, uh, Brandon Miller, obviously, no, not a shocker that he's going. I mean, he's projected <laughs> as high as a top three pick. How do you see him faring in the NBA? And if you were to kind of guess, are there is there going to be anybody else that follows him or? Are they going to be able to salvage most of this roster at Alabama? I think they'll be able to bring back a good bit. Um, I, I'll address Miller first. I think he's going to be a, a really solid um, point forward in the NBA. I think he still needs to grow um, uh, in both uh, both mentally and more specifically physically. I think he needs to put a little bit more meat on his bones. He's pretty small, um, pretty, pretty decent size in college, but when it comes to the NBA, he definitely needs to develop that a little bit. But I, I think with that time, I think he's going to be, you know, really special. Um, probably the best NBA player for Alabama since since Colin Sexton. Um, now, as far as looking at the current team and the departures, you know, like you said, you already have Brandon Miller going to the draft and Noah Clowney, um, Javon Quinterly, and Charles Bediak are both testing the NBA draft waters, but they are eligible to come back. I personally expect them both. Well, at least I expect Charles Bediako to come back. Um, Javon Quinterly is a little bit more up in the air just because this would be yet another year that he would be at Alabama. But, you know, with, with the advent of NIL, you know, I, I think that, and now that there's money to be made at the college level, um, I think, you know, he has a much better case to stay with, at Alabama one more year before possibly playing overseas in Europe. Um, I think, Mar- you know, we'll see obviously Mark Sears coming back. Um, Jaden Bradley is the guy that I've heard rumors, you know, might be hitting the portal, but as of right now, still hasn't. Um, and I think we'll also see Ryland Griffin, Nick Pringle, and Davin. Uh, Ryan Griffin and Nick Pringle also coming back. Davin Cosby's, of course, a guy that was an early enrollee. He's currently on the team right now. Um, will be a uh, true freshman next year. Um, but you know, the other other departures. Obviously, Noah Gurley graduated as did Dom Welch. Um, those two guys will be gone, and they don't have any more eligibility remaining. And Amari Burnett's the final guy that has hit the transfer portal. Um, I, with, with, some, you know, with Samari Burnett, obviously he contributed in, in a great way, but I think that, um, that addition to the portal um, says a little bit more about where Oates and his staff see this roster right now. You Namari know, Burnett was kind of slated to be one of the, the bigger point guards next year for Alabama, so I think that might have a little bit to say about potentially Javon Quinley coming back as well as if Jaden Bradley is going to return as well. 
speaking with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. He joins us every Monday here on On the Line. Joey, what would you like to see Alabama address going into the 2023-2024 season, whether it's recruiting, transfer portal, uh, acquiring players to make Alabama better than they were this year to get over that hump and make a run at the Final Four? What would you like to see Alabama address as a team and a program going into next season? Well, I think next year, first and foremost, it's definitely going to be a rebuilding year. I think having having a if are there are any Alabama fans out there that think that next year is going to be as good as this year, I think they need to tamper their expectations a little bit. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be really difficult with the drop off in talent they're having. But um, they've already hit the ground running and, and getting a, a solid transfer in Jaquan Walton, who's a, a really solid guard from Wichita State. Um, I believe he averaged something around 13 points a game and over five rebounds a game. So. He should be a heavy contributor next year. They're also, I think, a position that they're really going to need help at is if Charles Bediaco comes back, and obviously with Noah Gurley leaving, they're really missing um, depth at, at center. Um, now they have offered Hunter Dickinson, who's a seven-foot um, center from Michigan. He's in the transfer portal right now. Um, I would really like to see him come to Alabama to add depth at that position and kind of be able to rotate him back and forth with Bediaco should he also return, which I think he will. So those are two positions. I think they're set at point guard, you know, with Mark Steers and Jaden Bradley coming back and potentially Javon Quinterly. Um, they already have the skilled um, forwards. I think Nick Pringle is going to develop into a really good forward for next year. Um, already, you know, we saw how well he played for the team later on, late in the season for them. So um, I think they really have all the pieces they need um, to keep developing the team over the next couple of years. I don't think, like I said, I don't think they're going to be as good this next year just because they do lack experience. But NATOs is already laying down um, the foundation that they need to, to keep this program rolling. And um, one more thing, I, I do think I, I, one thing they need to do as soon as possible is um, replace the coaching staff members that have left, obviously Brian Hodgson leaving um, to go be the head coach at Arkansas State and Charla, Charlie Henry leading for Georgia Southern. I think once they replace those guys, um, Hodgson in particular leaves a lot of big shoes to fill just because of how heavy, heavily involved he was in the recruiting process. Joey, I guess one last question for you. A quick one here for uh, basketball. Is this the best Alabama basketball team of all time? Um, I know a lot of people point to that team that went to the Elite Eight in the early 2000s. Um, I personally think that this was a better team. I think it was more well-rounded. Um, it's the first team in Alabama history that was the number one overall seed. Um, not, not just the number one overall seed, but the num- a number one seed in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that says a lot for it. Um, I think ultimately this team will be remembered for um, – it will be remembered for you know maybe falling short at the end, but I think it will also be remembered for just how cohesive it was and how the team really was um, – you know, last year's team seemed to be composed of individuals, and I think this year's team – really did love each other and care for each other, and I think that's what they'll remember for and the the success that came along with it. Joey Blackwell of Bama Central joining us on the phone lines. We'll switch gears a little bit to football as spring practice rolling on across the state, across the SEC, and across college football. Auburn spring game coming up this weekend. Uh, Alabama spring game in a couple of weeks on uh, Saturday, April 22nd. What can you tell us about what's been uh, going on in spring practice so far with Nick Saban and Alabama? Yeah, you know, um, I can't remember if I told you guys this before, but we haven't been allowed to practice this. <laughs> haven't, haven't attended a single practice since COVID. So 
Um, haven't gotten a lot of uh, you know in-person interactions there. But from what you know, we've talked to Nick Saban and some players, and um, he seems to be very happy with where the team is right now. Um, I think this is a very mature team. Um, obviously, the biggest point of emphasis right now from at least the media and from fans are people wanting to know who the quarterback's going to be next year, um, primarily between, of course, Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow. Um, we've seen some footage of Milrow, and looks like he's making some really great throws in, in practice. Um, but unfortunately, you know, not being able to see the practices until A-Day, which is all the way uh, pushed back to uh, April, I believe it's April 24th this year, we really won't be able to tell until then just how well players are, are, are doing. But um, I think this Alabama team, you know, I, I think they've, they're also seeing a little bit of drop-off in talent at, at some respective positions. But obviously, with Bryce Young and Will Anderson leaving, um, they also have some big shoes to fill. Henry Toto also um, um, heading out. So there's a um, there's, there's a lot of roster um, spots that have questions around them this year, and hopefully those will be answered in the next couple of weeks. But if there's anything to go by for Alabama football in the past, we really won't know anything until the uh, first game of the year. <laughs> Joey, who are uh, some names that we need to keep an eye on to replace those, I mean, that we have every year, the, the five, six, seven guys going to the NFL draft that Alabama has? Who are some names like to fill in for Bryce Young, Will Anderson, Jameer Gibbs, Brian Branch, those kind of guys for this 2023 season? Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, on offense, I, I really like, um, Jermaine Burton obviously is going to be is back, which is huge for them. I think we're going to see a bigger role out of Ja'Cory Brooks and Kobe Prentice this year at wide receiver. Um, looking at the guys, you know, I think C.J. Dippery is a really solid tight end that's coming in. Um, he's going to have an, an immediate impact. Um, the offensive line has a lot of interesting um, players, particularly with both Darren Dalcourt and Seth McLaughlin coming back. Um, Seth McLaughlin will probably win out center, but Dalcourt's also very capable. Um, I, I think with you know Jason McClellan, obviously you have you have leaving, but um, I, I, I'm sorry, Jason McClellan could step up. I'm sorry, I was confused. Jason McClellan and Jameer Gibbs there for a second. My apologies. Um, I think Jason McClellan could step up and, and do really well there. But it's on, on defense. You also have Will Anderson who, who's who's gone now. But you know we have uh, Dallas Turner who's going to step up. I think take up that role on the weak side linebacker. You also have Justin Jefferson who transferred in there. Um, Deontay Lawson um, could potentially be the starter at middle linebacker. Um, Christian Story and, and Kool-Aid McKinstry back there with Caleb Downs, Terry and Arnold. Um, I think Terry and Arnold will possibly be the other cornerback, um, but that's the one that needs to be filled. There's also a really talented Earl Little and, and Jaleel Hurley. So there's just a lot of, a lot of names. And it, I know I mentioned a lot of them, but that's just because we haven't been able to see a lot, and so we haven't mm-hmm. really been able to narrow down other than what we've heard through the grapevine here and there. But hopefully uh, when I talk to you guys the Monday after A-Day, I'm going to have a lot a clearer image of who I can put at each position for you guys. Well, Joey, have you talked to Nick Saban and, and asked him if he knows who you are? Hey, maybe you could get some views of practice, man. <laughs> oh, I wish. I wish. You know, I, I get to talk to him once a week so uh, in, our, in our press conferences, so maybe I can get him to get me something. But, uh, 
you know, if they won't give stuff to Charlie Potter and Tony Zucalas, I don't know if they'll give me stuff either. <laughs> I don't know. Worst they could do is say no, I think. But uh, I, I, I hate that. I hate that. I hate that y'all aren't able to see. And I know that that um, that limits you and, and your coverage a little bit. And I know that that kind of hurts. But I mean, it's Nick Saban who's going to tell them no, right? So again, uh, Joey Blackwell <laughs> of Bama Central joining us here on on the line. He joins us every Monday at two thirty. Man, we appreciate you and your time every single week. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and all your great work. For Bama Central. Absolutely. Everybody can follow me on Twitter at Blackwell Sports and find my writing there as well as, of course, on our website, Bama Central, and uh, follow us on Twitter and at Facebook at Bama Central. And as always, thank you guys for having me. Awesome, man. We appreciate your time. We'll talk to you next week. That is Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. Again, he joins us at 2.30 every single Monday here on On the Line. We'll be right back and wrap up hour number one on the other side. the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. A big thank you to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. Just got off the phone with him as, holy smokes, a bird oh just flew God. into the window of the Dude, studio. That scared me to death. Oh my lord. <laughs> <laughs> a bird I hope it's okay. A bird just <laughs> a bird just flew into the window yes. here in the studio. Oh my goodness. Okay. That just threw me off my game. We're all right though. We're here. Uh okay. Again, big thank you to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central uh joining us talking about the end of the Alabama basketball season as uh we had not had a chance to talk about that yet and yeah, I mean, they're losing a couple big guys. I mean, Brandon Miller's a big one. I know he struggled down the stretch and uh, brought a lot of unwarranted and unwanted, I should say, uh, outside noise that Alabama had to deal with this season. But interested to see what they're going to look like. And Joey said, if Alabama fans expect Alabama to be as good as they were this year, this coming year, he said you may want to temper those expectations a little bit. And I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, you were pretty much for – most of the year, everybody's pick for best team in the country. and Favored to win a national championship. Yeah. I mean, to expect that year in, year out is unrealistic. You look Auburn at, fans know that. Look at how... Look at the fact that we, we've been talking about the last 25 years in college basketball. Yes, UConn's been the most dominant program, but nobody thinks about them. You think about Duke, you think about UNC, you think about Kansas, Kentucky. None of those programs have won more than three. Duke and UNC won three. Um, Kentucky's won two. Uh, Kansas has won two. I mean, it's it's hard to be the best. It's hard to do it. Stuff goes wrong. Injuries happen. Guys don't pan out. It happens. That's the way that college basketball that's the way college sports that's the way that really all sports work i mean yeah just because you're taking one one in the nfl draft as a quarterback doesn't mean you're gonna pan out we've seen that happen with a bunch of guys we've seen sam darnold zach wilson we've seen josh rosen i mean i don't even know where he is anymore um you see guys just not pan out and that happens it's it's really hard to be consistently great it's really hard especially in college basketball and I think when you look at when you look at the three major sports in college I think basketball is the hardest one to be consistently great at because 
You've seen it in football. You see it in baseball too. But I've had, I've had that point about basketball. Look at Duke in North Carolina. Neither one of them made the tournament this year. Look at Kentucky. They had to turn it on late. Well, Duke, Duke, well, made, Duke it. made it. My bad. My apologies. <laughs> North Carolina. North Carolina didn't make it. Duke became the hottest team in America to get in and be a pretty good team. Uh, Kentucky had to get hot down the stretch, right? So those teams are your quote-unquote blue bloods, but they're not great every year. Auburn's not great every year and Alabama's not going to be great every year that's just how college basketball works and so I agree with Joey Uh, I think Alabama basketball may take a step back doesn't mean they won't be good because Nate Oates is still their coach and as we know he's pretty good at what he does so again big thanks to Joey Blackwell for our number one we'll be back and have our number two we'll talk final four Auburn basketball and then Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joins us Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on a on and off rainy afternoon in the Auburn Opelika area. Hour number one is officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two of the Monday edition of On the Line is underway right here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of hour number one, uh, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it after the show at ESPNAU.com or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be commercial free right there right after the show. Uh, We've talked the final four results a little bit Uh, we also had Joey Blackwell of Bama Central who joined us on the phone lines as he does every Monday talking the end of Alabama basketball in their season and uh, giving us some notes from Alabama spring practice although they can't go to practice and so uh, he he did the best he could in, in what Nick Saban has had to say so far about Alabama spring practice and so if you missed any of that from the first hour uh, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast at ESPNAU.com but coming up here in hour number two we'll talk final four a little bit more also talk the news about Wendell Green Jr. Uh, who has decided to leave Auburn basketball and uh, test the waters playing pro and so all the luck to him we'll talk about that and then Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us at 3.30 and uh, we'll talk to him about Auburn basketball, football, baseball, softball, whatever it is going on with Auburn athletics. We'll talk to Jacob Hillman about that at 3.30. And so uh, going to get to the phone lines in just a minute, but uh, again, wanted to uh, thank everybody in case you were not tuned in in the first hour. Just want to make sure I get 
all the all the thank yous and the love to uh, everybody at Auburn Network and everybody that's listened and Carter, my wonderful co-host. Uh, as of April first on Saturday, uh, that was the one year mark of taking over this show full time and hosting this show. And so we are a year into this wonderful journey already, and it's crazy that it's. I uh, said this in the first hour too. It's crazy that it's been a year already that I uh, took over hosting on the line that I became uh, the official voice of the Lee Scott Warriors. That's been uh, so much fun to to cover Lee Scott Athletics. And so a big thank you again to everybody here at Auburn Networks and Radio Alabama uh, who has given me this opportunity to do this every single day to walk in this studio and talk sports for two hours. It's an absolute dream come true. And and thank you to all the listeners uh, who are tuning in every single day or again, once a week, once a month, once a year, whatever it may be. I really do appreciate you. And Carter, uh, my co-host who came on with me in August, man, it's been an absolute blast. And Mm -hmm. so again, thank you to everybody who has been uh, so supportive through the last year. And I hope for many, many more here at ESPN 106.7. But let's get to the phone lines to start hour number two, 334-321-1390. And Ed, you're on the line to start hour number two. Welcome in. Uh, Hey, guys. Uh, First off, uh, congratulations. uh, You've got a great show. I I really enjoy it. Uh, Appreciate it, Ed. Thank you, Ed. Both of you. Yeah, you have a great show, and um, I appreciate y'all, you know, let me call in. Uh, I was going to call on just on a couple of things that kind of everybody's talking. Sports has gotten so intermingled with entertainment now. I know y'all saw where, you know, the youth, you, you, UFC or whatever, the ultimate fighting guys have, have, have melded, have, have joined with WWE. I saw that. Yeah, and and, uh, and I mean, it's become, at one time they hated, you know, they're not wrestlers. They're, yeah, I mean, at one time they hated each other, but everything, you know, rotates around money. And I, I you know, sometimes uh, you got to save people from themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's 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 why we have uh, rules. You know, laws. You know, for speed limit, for safety belts. You know, mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that. And I, I can look in the industry. And in Opelika, there was an industry, a tire plant that people. You know, had a they had a union, and they were making two or three times what everybody else made, but they just priced himself out of a job. Same thing happened at um, U.S. Steel in Birmingham after I moved up there. And I think I think they're – I just still think that we can't I, – I don't think it's smart to just let things just go however they want to be. I think there should be like a, at least maybe a two-year contract, uh, you know, yeah. something, uh, uh, you know – to, to, to give you, I don't think it's good for kids to just be able to, because I know how, you know, I was at that age. I didn't have sense enough to look after, you know, the, the best interest. And, right. You know, right. And I, I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not down in the kids of today. I'm just saying that sometimes it's good to have a little bit of structure and rules, mm-hmm. you know, around everything, and I, I, not, and they can make the money or whatever. But as far as um, as far as the game tonight, I was just I was going to say I, I you know 
I don't have a dog in the fight or anything, but I, you know, I expect it to be a little closer than what, you know, I think some people are expecting a double digit UConn win, and that it could happen. I don't know, but, uh, but anyway, guys, I, I just want to tell you congratulations, and and, and I, I just, I, I don't know, I, I'm all for people having freedom and, and able to do whatever they can, but sometimes. You know, you just need some structure to mm-hmm. keep things from collapsing. You yeah. know, because it could it could hurt the it could hurt the sport. You, you know, all college sports. If it comes, if they, I just think somebody needs to you know kind of give it a little structure. Thanks, guys. Yeah, appreciate Before the call. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you calling in, and uh, we appreciate the kind words uh, as well as uh, again, it's it's. Uh, a year now that I've been hosting, and and, uh, and I again I appreciate you uh, calling in and having those nice words. And so, yeah, I think I get I kind of get what what he's saying, and, and we had not mentioned that, and that is really big news is that the UFC and the WWE uh, are somewhat merging. Uh, and when you kind of look it up and start reading into it, basically the WWE and the company that runs the UFC are combining to create like. They're basically combining to create one big company that's worth twenty-one billion dollars. Um, it it's basically gonna it's gonna house the UFC and WWE, the brands, yeah. with Endeavor Group Holdings Inc. taking a fifty-one percent controlling interest in the new company. So basically, one company is going to house UFC and WWE, which that's pretty big because twenty-one billion dollars that's a lot of money. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is a lot of money for sure. <laughs> That's more money than uh, you or I have seen in our lifetime. I mean, obviously, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, you you have that, that type of uh, acquisition uh, happening. It's, it's exciting for both uh, the UFC and the WWE. We, we, we've seen the kind of uh, freedom of movement between those two organizations to kind of... Uh, um, go back and forth. I mean, you've seen Brock Lesnar go WWE, UFC, WWE, uh, what, CM Punk did it too. There's, there have been a few people yeah. who have gone back and forth. Uh, but but I want to get to Ed's other point that he was making. The, the two-year contract uh, idea that he had, that's kind of like something Bruce said on, what was it? It would have been Friday afternoon. He was in Houston on uh, Barstool's live show. and he Which said, is awesome in itself. <laughs> but he had a quote that was like, look, um, I think there should be a rule that once you, like he's fine with the one-time transfer, not that big of a deal, but once you transfer, you got to be at that place for two years uh, in order to be able to transfer again because this, it's not healthy for the sport of college basketball, I don't think the idea that guys are transferring from school to school to school to school. I mean, Justin Powell, Justin Powell is technically declared for the NBA draft right now. Um, and he, I guess is maintaining his eligibility. So he could go in the portal, uh, in theory, but he's been at three different colleges in three years and he went to four different high schools in four years. So it's seven schools in seven years before we know, where he ends up for this next year yeah and as carter goes to answer the phones i'll kind of piggyback off of that a little bit yeah i mean 
I, I like that idea of there's got to be, and that's what Ed's biggest point was, structure, right? Uh, talking about how there's got to be some structure, there has to be some some outline, whether it comes to how much guys or girls or athletes are making in NIL money or what the transfer rules are we've seen that a little bit you saw the inner you know the interconference transfer rule and the one-time transfer rule and different things along those lines but um I, I get the idea of wanting some structure and and ha- not having it just be an absolute free-for-all wild wild west when it comes to NIL transfer portal or even when it comes to something even bigger like the UFC and the WWE where they're merging to create one big company and make as much money as physically possible so we'll talk some more about that but let's get back to the phone lines 334-321-1390 inspector you're on the line welcome in hey guys uh want to talk about uh the tournament this weekend okay um san diego state i saw a team that was basically dominant coming up until they got into the later minutes of the game and just absolutely could not make a free throw. You know that's my pet peeve, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just I'll just scream at the top of my lungs. I mean, you cannot make a free throw and you're going to lose a game and you're going to lose in the final four because you can't make a free throw. And then FAU could not score a basket. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, thanks good, thank goodness for that, for San Diego State, because they couldn't shoot yeah. you know, in, the latter, in the latter moments of the game. But, uh you know, it's unbelievable that you can get that far in a game and nobody on your team. I mean, it's not just one guy. We're talking about two or three guys could not make a free throw. Yeah, 13 of 22 and, was San Diego State in the Final Four. Yeah, and they were sitting there. FAU was sitting there crossing their fingers. Oh, thank goodness, thank goodness. But, you know, it didn't work out for them in the end. But anyway, uh, I'll go on with something else. Uh, thank goodness Wendell Green did what he did because I, I will not be able to hear it from Terry anymore. It, <laughs> it's just, you know, it, I don't know who the Wendell Green or the or the Bo, uh, Bo Nix is going to be in baseball, but I hope he doesn't pick anybody. I don't think he's found anybody yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's no, found anybody yet. I figured he would take somebody on the pitching staff bad as the pitching is going. Yeah, that's fair. That is absolutely fair. That's possible. And Auburn, yeah, dealing with some injuries and and pitching did not uh, did not do them any any favors this weekend in Gainesville. Yeah, but anyway, in Wendell's defense, I you know he, he's a point guard, and he, of course he had bad games. He had good games, mm-hmm. but you know I don't think there's a player on Auburn's team the first five that didn't have a bad game every now and then. Mm-hmm. He, you yeah, know, Williams had a bad game and. and and nobody's downing him about it and stuff like that. You don't down anybody about it. I mean, you're going to have your bad games. And look yeah. what Pearl said about Wendell Green going out to the NBA. And uh, so, I mean, Pearl didn't have to say that. He just he could have said something as simple as, uh, well, I, I hope for the best in the future for him. He didn't have to say that he, he was one of the key cogs in the wheel that got him into the uh, NCAA. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I, I will say know, that I think Bruce is – savvy enough to know that putting out a really good message like that um people are going to notice recruits are going to notice that he has his guys back i'm not saying that it's not genuine i mean i think it is but i i I do think that bruce is 
a good enough salesman of his program to know that he needs to support his guys at all turns. Well, yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. And I don't think Wendell Green is as bad as people are saying he is. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's going into the NBA. Of course, he's small. But, yeah, look at John Stockton. Y'all remember him? You probably don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he was – he was he was the Mr. Assist. He wasn't known for scoring, and uh, he was a playmaker. Yeah. And so that's what Wendell could do, and that's what he did most of the time with Auburn. And for Wendell taking three-point shots all the time, that, that's bogus, because I've seen Wendell Green, especially in the tournament, taking it down the paint and, and, and giving his body up and landing on the floor. Mm-hmm. So it, he's not just a three-point shooter. Which I, I want to uh, see I want to see even more from him and from anybody that plays at the one position or, or is handling the basketball as much as Wendell Green did and and I think with with Wendell Green could can Auburn upgrade from him yes but could Auburn do a lot worse than him yeah you bet yeah hundred percent hundred percent you you look back at uh, the the 2020-2021 season where you had Sharif Cooper who is ineligible and then hurt and Justin Powell who's not a point guard. And then he gets concussed, and you had nothing. Well, you had Alan Flanagan running your your point. Yep, that's right. Well, I hope the football season turns out to be a good one because I I don't want to hear any flack from that either. (laughs) I'm taking Terry's man to, to 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 the fireplace with it. He better be coming out with some good stuff. And uh, so far, I I like what he's doing. Uh, I think he was a good hire to this point. But uh, I would be like I'll be like Terry. I'll be critical on him if he starts going the other direction because I always knew that him and him and uh, uh, gosh, dog, his name slipping my mind now. Who was I coached two years ago? Malzahn. Three years. Or, ago. Are you talking about Harson? Malzahn. Malzahn. You know, you know him and Malzahn were good friends. Mm, yes. Their coaching their coaching philosophy was basically the same. I don't. And, uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. From, They're from similar. My, my understanding, there are portions that are very, very similar, but I think you've got Hugh Freeze, who's done a much better job adapting his offensive scheme, and he went and brought in a great offensive mind in Philip Montgomery, and they're collaborating together. I think that's a good bit different than Gus Malzahn, who I think had a really hard time letting go of the reins and letting somebody else take control. Yeah, well, that was in the latter years of Gus Malzahn, but mm-hmm. Gus Malzahn was at the top of his game when he first came to Auburn. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, so, just like you Freeze is. So, we'll see. Well, I'll tell you guys, I, I gotta go. Alright, we appreciate the call, Spectre. It's good to hear from you. Good to hear from uh, Spectre as uh, calling in. And we got to get to a break. We got a phone call we'll get to uh, when we come back. We'll talk more Auburn football. We'll get to the phone lines. Uh, Hugh Freeze has a press conference today at 3.30. And then there is a media viewing for practice at uh, like 4.30, 4.40. As soon as we get off the air, we're heading straight over there uh, to go and watch practice. So we'll have some notes from that tomorrow and talking about what we see and what's going on over there. But we'll get to the phone lines when we come back. We'd love to hear from you. 3-3-4, 321-1390. More of the Monday edition of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. 
Back inside the studio at ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. I uh, had someone on the phone lines and may have lost him, so uh, uh, be sure to uh, call back if you were with us, and we'd love to hear from you or anyone else, 334-321-1390. we got a few more minutes uh, before uh, we get to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He'll join us at 3.30. And, yeah, uh, Spectre brought up a couple of points, talking about the Final Four this weekend, the National Championship game tonight. Uh, we'll make our official picks right there at the end of uh, today's show but I do think it'll be a closer game than what most people are saying I mean UConn favored by uh, seven and a half the total is extremely low last time I looked it was 132 and a half and lots of people are liking UConn by double digits very well could happen I don't think San Diego State can score with UConn they'll slow the Huskies down a little bit I just don't think San Diego State can score with them man I mean UConn's just playing so good right now I look at this UConn team I think this UConn team has shown that they are the best team in the country Uh, I think they're going to show that tonight they have not played what a single-digit game in the entire tournament. It's ridiculous. Dan it's Hurley's absolutely. son has gotten in every game as a walk-on. How about that? <laughs> How about that? As as UConn and San Diego State go for a national championship game tonight, uh, we mentioned that Hugh Freeze has his weekly press conference coming up at 3.30. Uh, we'll, get you some, uh, we'll get you some quotes from that sort of as we end today's show. Uh, we'll have some clips from that for tomorrow's show. Uh, so if you're unable to uh, hear Hugh Freeze's press conference, we'll have some clips to play on tomorrow's show. Carter and I will be uh, heading over to practice in a little bit and uh, be able to talk about that some tomorrow as well. So excited to see Auburn's got a few more practices this week before A-Day comes up on Saturday. So that'll be a big discussion all week long here on On the Line. But let's get back to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. And Brett, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, fellas. Um, Look, on the Wendell Green deal, I appreciate everything he did for Auburn. Played on two uh, NCAA uh, tournament teams, helped win a uh, SEC championship. But look, th- this thing about him being second team All SEC, yeah, on a piece of paper it says that. <laughs> first of all, that, that there were sixteen players. So the way I go, that that's three teams plus one player. He was the fifth best point guard out of those sixteen players, and that's fifth best in a league where point guard play was not very good. 36.4% from the field is not good. Yeah. 29.5% from three is is bad. 4.1 assists to 2.7 uh, turnovers is, is average. It, it's very average. Very mm-hmm. average. And, and um, l- let me just say this. Players on the other team – I'm not saying every time down the court, but a lot of times we're waving for the ball, waving for the ball when he was guarding them. <laughs> I sat there at the Tennessee yeah. game, and Ziegler wasn't even in. They were waving for the ball when he guarded them. Today, with Holloway, as soon as he steps on campus, Auburn will be better at the point guard position. I agree they, with they that. They just will be. They just will be. Yeah, I mean, I, I think back to that round of 32 game, Tremont Mark – for for UConn, who's six foot five, what he's got six seven inches on Wendell Green at least. He went to work on Wendell, and he just shot over him, kind of mid range shots, and hit him, and had a huge yeah. game against Auburn. I I agree with with you there. Yeah, well, um, you know, I, I wish him the best. You know, to say though he's declaring for the NBA draft is you know 
I, I could declare for the NBA draft, but it, hopefully he'll make you. some money over in Israel or something. I'm all for him. But uh, anyway, that's my two cents. Yeah, well, we appreciate that. And, appreciate uh, and I agree, Brett. I mean, he, he is – Brett, we do appreciate the call. Look, here's the thing with, with Wendell Green. He did some good things for Auburn. He did. He was on, just like Brett said, he was on two NCAA tournament teams. He was your point guard and made some really big shots, had some really big plays. And there was a time last year where the pick and roll between him and Walker Kessler was the most dominant thing Mm -hmm. in college basketball. But then... Although I sit there and I just still think about, holy cow, what, what would that have looked like with Sharif Cooper? Yeah. Because oh Sharif, Sharif had Sharif's the, an elite point guard. Yes, he had the ability to either throw the lob or go in and finish strong at the rim. And Wendell well, and could. He had, he had vision that no other point guard in the country had mm-hmm. his one year in college basketball. His 12 games I was about to say his 12 games yeah. in college basketball. Um, but look, Wendell Green, there was a time where him and Walker Kessler were the most dominant thing in college basketball. He hit some really good shots. He's made some really good plays. But on the exact same level, he has made some really bad plays. And his shots down the stretch when the game was on the line, when he had the ball in his hand nine times out of ten, he didn't make those shots. And I think that hurt Auburn in the long run. And again, I think my statement is, is where we need to sit on this. And I think most Auburn fans should be right here. Could you do better than Wendell Green? Yes, and I think you will do better than Wendell Green. But could you do a lot worse than Wendell Green? Yeah, you better believe it. He is a... You can. I don't think Auburn will. No, I'm not saying they will, but I'm saying to kind of to appeal to both sides a little bit, Wendell Green was a good point guard for Auburn. He was a good player for Auburn, but Auburn can do better. Yeah. But you, it's not fair to just fully bash Wendell Green and say he was a terrible player, didn't do anything good, blah, blah, blah. I don't think anybody's saying that. I'm just saying that Wendell Green was a good middle ground player for Auburn. He did some good things. He did some not so good things. Everybody should be thankful he came to Auburn and everybody should wish him the very, very best in whatever professional league he plays in, NBA, G League, overseas, wherever he decides to go and ends up, then good for him. But, um, I think Wendell Green will go down as somebody that was exciting to watch for Auburn, but I think Auburn will be better next year at the point guard position with Aiden Holloway coming in and whoever else Auburn decides to bring in. And so um, I will say my, my one thought that I do want to get out there for Wendell is if he had a team full of guys who could actually shoot and other like playmakers, then I feel like his numbers would be better. I do think Auburn can and will be better moving forward. That's totally fair. If there was a shooter to pass the ball to, maybe there wasn't as much pressure on him to shoot the basketball as much as he did. I think that's absolutely fair. But we got to get to our bottom of the hour break. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joins us when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. And Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number two in just 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob go with Carter Bird, and we're joined by Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Hillman, hope you're doing well. Uh, apologies that we were not able to get you on last week with the weather coming through. Phones were knocked out, but we are back up and running this week, and uh, hope all is well with you, my man. 
No, I, I missed you guys a lot last week, and I'm glad today's weather we were able to hold on and, and be able to do this. It's been a great weekend. Well, lots going on uh, with Auburn Athletics, and, and man, it's we could start in about 10 different places, but <laughs> we will uh, start with the news from basketball with Wendell Green uh, yesterday afternoon tweeting out uh, that he is uh, going pro. Uh, he is going to leave Auburn and go and test the waters, whether that be the NBA, the G League, whatever it may be for Wendell Green Jr., he is going to play professional basketball. What will the... What's the best way to say this? What will be the legacy that Wendell Green will leave behind in his Auburn career now that he's officially done? Well, the fact that he was one of the best players on an SEC championship team that he made an all-SEC second team in his year after that. And I I really think just the way he plays for Auburn was was always an exciting uh, uh, type of basketball that could really energize uh, a Neville Arena crowd. And and really, obviously, a lot of things have been said and whatnot, and who cares about that? Because what Wendell Green Jr. did at Auburn was be successful and help uh, Auburn win an SEC championship last year and be a number one seed. And, and, and then this season, uh, obviously, he was an all-SEC second team with a whole bunch of newcomers and, and losing Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. He's one of those guys that was meant to lead this team, and he did just that. It's kind of what Coach Pearl said in his tweet uh, when, when he declared and saying he's one of the hardest workers he's, he's ever been around. And, and I think that's just such an important thing. And obviously, uh, just when he came in, it, it, it was fun to watch him grow. Yeah, I mean, and when you look at Wendell Green and his uh, tenure, I mean, moving forward, we know Aiden Holloway is coming in the door for Auburn. We know Trey Donaldson is coming back based on his social media posts at this point, right. at least. Uh, what do you expect out of those guys, especially after Aiden Holloway looked pretty good at the uh, McDonald's All-American game? Yeah, he did, and and it's one of those it's one of those games where obviously you don't want to take too much away from it, but also he shot lots that lights out. He he really showed that he's a dynamic playmaker and scorer. I think his I think also in this game he didn't look very good defensively. It's also an All-Star game, so I don't know how hard he was actually playing, but that that. Three matter. fourth he, quarter he steals, though, Jacob. That that is true. That is true. He he was able to do some things. I from what I saw it was just uh, sometimes he would, uh, let a guy get by him. But I think that's something that can be fixed with ease whenever he gets into Auburn's program. So I'm excited to see what he and Trey Donaldson can do. I think Holloway also has a chance to play minutes off the ball as well with his dynamic shooting ability, and and, and that's going to really help him grow, especially early on where there's not so much pressure on him, and obviously. We still have a long way to go with this offseason and roster turnover and, and whatnot. Obviously, looking in the transfer portal, you see names popping up here and there, who Auburn has contacted and who is interested in Auburn and whatnot. That We don't know what this roster is going to look like this upcoming season. Obviously, like you said, we know about Aiden Holloway, and we are about 99.9% sure Trey Donaldson will be back and. That's going to be exciting to see. I think Donaldson will be exciting to watch grow because I don't think he was expected to play as much this season as he did, and that playing time is really going to help him moving forward. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us here on the phone lines. Jacob will continue to churn through the sports. Auburn baseball this weekend went down uh, to Gainesville, and in game one, 
all things were all things were a go for this Auburn team. They jump on Florida early. They take them down in game one with a very impressive win in the opening game of the series. Then the pitching woes that we know about this baseball team sort of set in in game two and game three. They end up dropping the series against Florida. But we talked about on Friday how it was important for Auburn to go and just get a win against a top three program in all of college baseball. I know you were on the call for softball a lot this weekend, but what did uh, what did Andy and Brad have to tell you about Auburn baseball this weekend? Yeah, no, it, it was that first win on Friday. That was an emphatic one, and it really set the tone that unfortunately was unable to continue. The offense continued playing well throughout the weekend, uh, but obviously the, the the rotation is just going to continue to have to be tweaked. And we saw this weekend how how different it was from the previous week. And I think it's still a, a work in progress. But you're very close. You were facing the one of the best offenses in the in the country this weekend. I think Florida is probably the best, if not the best, LSU is. So you you, you just got one of the best offenses in the country and when you're when you're debuting a new pitching rotation, you're bound to have some rough patches and obviously you didn't want that to happen in two games, but you get the one game on Friday and you feel pretty good about where you're at, especially offensively. Uh, with Cooper McMurray and Bobby Pierce coming back and getting those starts. Uh, each of them hitting home runs this weekend and, and, and really having efficient performances. And then obviously Bryson Ware and Ike Irish continue to do what they're doing. But on the pitching side, there are still bright spots, obviously. Will Cannon looked really good. I thought Tommy Vale was pretty solid through uh, his few innings of work yesterday. And then Tanner Bauman out of the bullpen, he looked pretty good. So there are bright spots on this team. There's still a chance that some guys getting healthy, uh, like Tommy Sheehan, will see. And and really, it's just all about finding exactly the right uh, starting rotation. And and I, you have to have all faith in uh, Coach Thompson and Show and Rock to do that uh, over the next few weeks. It's still early in SEC play, and and if you look at the SEC West and the records there, it's it, it is really just a wild, wild west there. What needs to happen for this pitching staff that walked, I think, thirteen batters on Sunday, uh, and really let Florida. Uh, run away with that one. What needs to happen for the pitching staff to come around uh, and really help this team round into for, form as they move forward in SEC play? Yeah, I think that Sunday loss was uh, kind of the one where you look at and you scratch your head at it. Similar to the Sunday loss against Georgia the previous weekend where everything just comes unraveled late in the game because you're walking batters and, and, and one or two plays don't go your way. And like I said, things just you just there's nothing you can do because that the offense you're facing just continues to hit the ball. But again, to to really stop walking guys, it's as simple as throwing strikes because against that Florida offense, it's obviously difficult to uh, to really stay aggressive because of the dangerous hitters in that lineup. Cackleon is going to be a one-one pick next year probably, and and uh, Langford had an impressive weekend as well. So. I think you're just looking at the pitching staff. You have to continue to stay aggressive and trust yourself. Obviously, it is a uh, young class, but I really hope to see them stay confident and continue to improve. Hillman, I know you were on the call for Auburn softball this weekend over at Jane B. Moore Field. An exciting series again for Auburn softball. A little bit of offense, some defense on Sunday as well. Uh, How did it go down at Jane B. Moore Field this weekend? Yeah, that was a massive series win for the Tigers because 
Uh, it, things only get more difficult from here. Uh, losing that Saturday game, you had to bounce back on Sunday, and and obviously it was just it, it was a low scoring affair. And and when you have Matty Pence pitching, you trust Auburn to win those kinds of games. And 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 really the way Auburn scored its run, uh, it, it wasn't based off of a hit. It was it was a heads up play from Aubrey Lisenby when she got waltz with Abby Smith at third base uh, and two outs. She started going down to second base, ran back, and Smith was able to score before Lizenby was tagged. So that was the one run in Sunday's game. But overall throughout the weekend, it was nice to see the offense kind of break out in game one. It was unfortunate to not see that continue throughout the weekend. But there's still there's still something where uh, you can expect this offense to, to possibly break out at some point because you see the flashes, and obviously the pitching staff has been impressive throughout the weekend. As this team moves forward uh, in a really odd SEC standings, uh, yeah. what is what is the ceiling for this for this Auburn team in your in your estimation? Then also, can you shed some light on why like nobody has played the same amount of conference games in SC, in the SEC in softball? Right, that that would be because there are only thirteen SEC teams, so. You're unable. Obviously, every team can't play each other in the weekends. It, it, Vanderbilt's the one school without yeah. a softball team. So basically, so, each weekend. Tell um, me, tell me why Georgia has played ten games and everybody else has either played twelve or nine. That would be because Georgia and well, who was it? Um, they had a series where one of the games was canceled. There was a rain out that was unable to be made up. That, that's why that was the case. So. Um, yeah, other teams obviously have to play the non-conference gotcha. tournaments that LSU did, and Auburn went to OKC and whatnot. Gotcha, but, gotcha. Um, as far as the SEC standings, yeah, this team has a, has the chance to finish. I think top four in the SEC if the offense comes alive. That that is first and foremost. If the offense comes alive and plays the way it did on Friday, then then they can win any SEC series uh, it plays because you've got the top dogs, Georgia and Tennessee. Arkansas, those are the three best teams in the SEC right now. now and other than that, it is an absolute jam, uh, a log jam in the middle where your Florida and Alabama teams are four and five in conference, and that's that, that, that's kind of wild to see because you're not used to that. You have to see LSU's four and five. They were a top ten team uh, at one point. Kentucky was had a really strong year last year, four and four. And right now Auburn's sitting at fourth in the SEC. Uh, going to Florida this weekend is, is a big one. You're facing more of the same pitching that you did this past weekend. So if the offense can adjust to that, then it, it's really going to give Auburn a chance to get a jump start uh, moving forward. So, yeah, I think you can move into the top half of the SEC, but the offense has to come alive. Speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, who joins us every Monday at 3.30 here on On the Line. Hillman, it is Spring game week, I think if that's a thing you want to call it, A-Day week for yeah. Auburn football. Has uh, got a couple of more spring practices before A-Day coming up this Saturday at Jordan-Hare Stadium. We've already been told and heard from Hugh Freeze. It's going to look a little bit different uh, of what a normal spring game would look like. You're going to have that target score. The defense will be given uh, uh, 24 or something like that, and the offense has four quarters to try and beat them while the defense tries to stop them. But lots of position groups that people will be focused on, the quarterbacks and the offensive, defensive lines, the linebackers, the receivers, right? What position if you had to name one that you'll have your eye on, and then what would be a successful spring game for Auburn on Saturday? 
Yeah, it'll be the wide receivers that I'm keeping an eye on because one, obviously, the quarterbacks are throwing to them, and that is that that'll be an indicator. But also, I think who they're playing against that that experienced cornerback room and and really talented cornerback room. Obviously, you've got your DJ James, Keontae Scott, Nehemiah Pritchett, uh, Jalen Simpson, uh, JD Rim, and Kyle Lee has has really impressed coaches so far this this off season and. Seeing the receivers go up against that group is going to be uh, uh, something to watch because, um, obviously, they're younger. They haven't had as much success in recent years, and if they're able to do something against an experienced, talented group that the Auburn defensive backs room is, uh, that really shows you what what they can do whenever they get into the season because that that is an SEC, a top-tier SEC defensive back room. So if Auburn's receivers is able to beat them, then – and that, that, that should show um, some positive outcomes for the upcoming season. And a successful spring game, I mean, one is obviously staying healthy. I think that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You want guys to stay healthy. But it's, it's tough to really say what is successful. I think competitive, that, that's the big thing you want to see. You want to see the offense uh, get near that 24-point range. You don't want to see them go too far over because you want the defense to stay strong and you want to see – um, just, just really guys just out there having fun and, and, and competing because uh, obviously after the last year and what we saw at the end of the year, you want that to continue. Jacob, uh, it's Masters Week, man. Who's your, uh, <laughs> yes. who's your, who's your pick to uh, take home the, the, the green jacket? Well, what my heart wants is, is obviously Tiger Woods to do it again <laughs> like he did in 2019, but uh, my my brain is a little stronger than my heart, and that would be a that would be a very bold prediction. And you know what? Why do I feel like this is the year Rory McIlroy does it? Mm. I, I don't know. It, it just feels like he completes the career grand slam this week. So that that's what I'm going with. Interesting pick, Rory Mac. I believe he's got what the second or third best betting odds right now to win the second, Masters, which is he, he, ooh, he's a little high there. for me. Scott, Scotty Scheffler's number one. I mean. And, and hey, here's the thing. I, I'm not gonna lie. I think I think a Brooks Kepka or or a Cameron Smith could could be up there as well. Oh, one of those live golf players coming in and and uh, making some noise at the Masters this week. Well, man, I know uh, you'll be taking it all in around a day with the Masters coming up this week. Also, hey, national championship game tonight. Who you got? UConn or San Diego State? Yeah, I think I think UConn gets this one done. Man, they are just such a complete team, and Adam Sinogo, It's hard to. It's hard to pick against him. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think that's what the uh, popular pick is for the national championship game tonight. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday at 3.30. Man, we appreciate you as always. Uh, Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you guys are doing over at the Auburn Sports Network. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. This weekend we have the 8A broadcast. It'll be a 1 o'clock start time. That's when kickoff is scheduled for 1 o'clock Central. And, uh, hey, Go to AUBTIX.com, get $10 tickets to go to the 8A game and, and take in the, the first bit of the Hugh Freeze era, if you will. And, and it's going to be an exciting weekend with Texas A&M in town for baseball. Uh, men's tennis is hosting Arkansas on Friday as well. There, there's a lot going on on the plains this weekend. No doubt about it, and there's so much that we didn't even get to. But, man, we'll get to some more of it next week, and we'll talk about A-Day this time next week. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you, guys. War Eagle. That is Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. We'll wrap it up when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line.
on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Couple of more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Big thanks to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network who joins us every Monday at 3.30. Talked a lot of Auburn athletics. We didn't even get into uh, any of the tennis stuff or uh, gymnastics with Suni Lee. She posted something today. I think we uh, need to say something on that really quick. Suni Lee, uh, one of, if not the best gymnast in the entire world, uh, who did not compete down the stretch for Auburn Gymnastics. She said it was a gymna- non-gymnastics related injury. Turns out it has to do something with her kidneys. Yeah. And so That's scary. Um, yeah, that is scary. And so uh, uh, all you know best wishes to her uh, her career at Auburn is officially done but she said her her mindset and her goal is still set on making Paris 2024 and so uh, all all love to her all credit to her uh, she could have gone anywhere in the country and she chose to come uh, and compete for Auburn and Jeff Grabo. So uh, she has been, she's been one of the biggest stars to ever come through this school. And I think that will uh, go down, uh, that will stay forever. That SUNY Lee will be one of the biggest athletes to ever come through Auburn University. And so credit to her. She will always have the Auburn family behind her. And hopefully she can get her health stuff figured out because, like you said, that's scary stuff. Yeah. And hopefully we get to see her on the world's biggest stage trying to win a, another their gold medal in 2024 that'd be exciting for sure mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it's you, you never want to mess with health stuff like that and credit to auburn's medical staff and then her own medical staff for realizing or having the awareness of like hey it's more important that we get her right and look out for her best interest than getting her out on the uh on the mat trying to uh, do all the events at, at at a meet, and I think that that's what's best for her. Here's what's coming up the rest of the week here on On the Line. Uh, Hugh Freeze having his press conference right now over at the uh, Athletics Complex, the football complex over there. Uh, we'll have some audio from that coming up tomorrow uh, and what he has to say about practice so far. Uh, some quotes are starting to come out, but we will have uh, some audio to play for you tomorrow. Uh, we'll also have some notes from practice as uh, they have a media window coming up this afternoon. So uh, we'll be going over there right after this. You and I will be heading over and uh, seeing what's going on with practice today as they get ready for a day and uh yeah that's sort of what is going on over the rest of the week tomorrow and thursday uh, i'll be here at the start of the show but i'll have lee scott baseball as of right now we'll see if the weather holds up we'll kind of just play all of that uh by ear but uh yeah lots to talk about national championship game tonight carter we got a minute or so are you going with everybody else because i am too yeah i'm going to uconn (laughs) uconn's the best team in america do they cover seven and a half uh yeah they do does it go over 132 and a half yes because UConn forces it to interesting I think so I think it's at 132 so it's gone down half a point and it's UConn seven and not seven and a half now so both of those have dropped I think UConn covers I think that over will hit San Diego State is a really really good team they will be in this game the entire way I think they have depth they have experience they're really well coached and they play really really physical defense UConn's just too good they're playing too good and they're too good offensively they make shots San Diego State does not I'm taking the Huskies for their fifth national championship in 25 years they will be on top of the college basketball world 
at about 10.30 tonight. We'll talk about that tomorrow, plus what happens at practice for Auburn football today. Have some audio for Hugh Freeze as well. Again, thank you all so much. It's been a wonderful year here on On the Line and hope for many more to come. Come back tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.